You're listening to CRE Deal Flow with Tyson Cross. In this show, we'll talk about what it means to hustle as a broker, investor, and lifelong learner in the world of commercial real estate. There is a proven path to growing a successful commercial real estate business and long-term passive income. And now, here's your host, Tyson Cross. All right. Welcome back to another episode of CRE Deal Flow. I'm your host, Tyson Cross, and I'm really excited today because we're going to talk about, I think a lot of real estate investors' favorite topic is tax savings and how we do that using cost segregation studies. And that's going to relate to bonus depreciation, which I hear so much about these days. And fortunately, we have two of the experts in that arena. We've got Jim Doherty and Steve Schusler. And I apologize if I just pronounced your name incorrectly. Perfectly. Perfectly. Uh, Perfect. Great. And these gentlemen actually did a cost segregation a partner of mine or a partner in my property. And so um, they were gracious enough to come on the podcast. And guys, thanks for being here again. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So Jim, Steve, whoever wants to take this, we're just going to jump right in because I know there's a lot to cover. You know, one of you give us a brief kind of background on your company, and then we can jump right into like what a cost seg is, and then we can branch out from there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, we're ELB Consulting, and thanks for letting us be on your show. Yeah, we strictly do cost segregation and we've been in business for over 20 years. In the last 20 years, we've done about 15,000 cost segregation studies. One thing we're very proud of is we have a perfect record with the IRS and we've never had to give a dollar back on any study on behalf of our client uh, when we, if we ever defended a study. Uh, we do all shapes and sizes of buildings. We can do rental homes, Airbnbs, any type of commercial building and apartment complexes. Steve, do you have anything to add? Yeah, you know, and I think one of the keys you hit was um, we really do a full range of different types of properties. You know, we do a lot in the hospitality industry, whether it be mm. hotels, uh, restaurants. Uh, we do a lot of apartments, uh, you know, residential rental, uh, you know, even manufacturing, warehousing, industrial. Uh, really, the cost segregation techniques apply to all different types of industries. You know, so it depends on what type of property you own. We go in and we take a, do our analysis on it and we go from there. But it uh, generally works out very well. With, with any type in, in RV parks too and manufactured home communities and that's yeah and that's what we yeah. sell here at CPX so it's great that you can do all different product types is there one product type that has more advantages to the cost seg and I mean I think a lot of this is you know when people hear cost seg they think of bonus depreciation right mm-hmm. and that they're sort of and I guess they go hand in hand but you know really it's like how much bonus depreciation can we take is there one asset class that maybe is better for that than another you know there are certain certain asset classes that do provide a higher return Turn than others. Um, when you get into things like manufacturing, uh, medical uh, research, that type of thing, it tends to be very, very intensive in terms of uh, types of uh, assets and the types of uh, structures we're going to find in the buildings. But you mentioned uh, mobile home parks, and those are, uh, we've done many, many of those. And it really, we take a look at everything from the infrastructure all the way through to if there's any rental units, uh, we take a look at the rental units and anything associated with it. We've even had, uh, you know, mobile home parks that have their own water systems, have their own, you know, uh, sanitary systems. So there's just a number of different things we look at uh, in terms of uh, the total cost segregation approach. Great. So high level, why don't you give us a definition of what it is and what you guys do specifically, and then what are the benefits specifically for real estate investors for doing one of these? I'll start off with what is cost segregation? Basically, it's a strategic and widely accepted tax planning approach that allows commercial real estate owners and tenants to accelerate depreciation deductions. You significantly improve your cash flow and you defer your taxes. It's been around for, oh gosh, over 40 years, Steve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's what the Fortune 
500 does to all their buildings. A lot of people complain that the, the Fortune 500 and the rich don't pay taxes. One thing they actually do is cost segregation. So it's a great strategic tax planning strategy and it's IRS accepted. Yeah. And Steve? Yeah, no, I, you're right on target with that. And it really uh, it really applies to all types of property. Um, it doesn't have to be newly acquired property. It can be property that you've held for a number of years. Um, we could do what we call look back studies and, uh, and, and, and capture any missed depreciation over the previous years after since you placed it in service. If you've owned it for five years, we can catch up all that depreciation in the current tax year without amending any tax returns. Uh, it's a very simple, straightforward procedure. Uh, and as you said, Jim, it's one that's uh, utilized by really all the big players. And we're fortunate enough to be able to take that same technique and the same process and bring it to just everyday uh, commercial property owners. Right. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second. So that's a key point because I think a lot of people think they have to do this in the year they buy it. I mean, certainly I did. And knowing that you can go backwards and say, hey, we bought a property three years ago. We're going to go do a cost seg study. Why would someone do that? Because if you do that, then I mean, I shouldn't say why would someone do that? But if you go and do that, then or if you do a cost seg study at all, are you then saying, hey, we're going to take all the depreciation in this year one? I mean, my question for you when we talked was, are we going to leave ourselves high and dry in year two and three and four and five and six? Or I mean, why does somebody do this and how does it benefit them versus doing it over the long, you know, the life of an asset, assuming they're going to hold for a long time? You know, really, I mean, the, the short answer is we're really talking about the time value of money is what it really comes down to. We are uh, doing a cost segregation study is not going to provide you any additional deductions that you're going to get uh, that you're not going to get if you hold it for 27 and a half years or 39 years in commercial property case. If you just sat there, you would get the same amount of dollars. But what we're doing is accelerating that depreciation, giving you that cash flow right up front and allowing you to use that, put that cash flow to work for you, whether it be uh, doing improvements on site, whether it be acquiring additional properties. We have clients that do a number of different things with it, but it really is all about that time value of money. And in doing a look back study, if we're going back, let's say you acquired a property five years ago, we're able to go back, do a cost seg study as if it was five years ago, and then catch up all that missed appreciation over the five years in the current tax year. So it provides you a very nice cash flow benefit in that current tax year. When you say missed appreciation, what do you mean by that? Like, yeah, good, good question. And the missed appreciation that I'm referring to would be items, would be assets that uh, you've depreciated over 39 years that according to the IRS and according to tax law and revenue rulings, we're allowed to put into, say, for example, five-year property. Mm. And so we're taking that 39-year depreciation, moving it into five-year and letting you get the benefits of that cash flow immediately rather than having to wait 39 years. So we're accelerating all of those dollars up front. Understood. So I think that's key. Like COSSEG is really breaking down the components of the asset and right. and for, you know, on exactly. kind of high level, it's like every asset has uh, components, right? Right? And those components are on a different depreciation schedule. And then based on that schedule for each component, you can then extract more depreciation because you're using, you're kind of separating them out versus just applying a straight line blanket schedule to the whole thing. Is that right? Exactly. Okay. That's exactly right. And the, the additional thing that it does, at least if you use the methodology that, that we use, which is the engineering methodology, is it also puts a value on every one of those assets, whether it be a 39-year asset, a 15, a five-year mm -hmm. asset. And so should you ever do any improvements or any kind of uh, construction along the way, you're going to have a real good value on all those assets. So in addition to the accelerated depreciation, you're going to be able to retire assets along the way as you retire assets uh, as part of your normal business, uh, doing improvements and so forth. 
Okay. So can someone say, Hey, I want to do a cost seg study so I can further break this out, but I don't want to take all of it in year one. You can still allocate what you take from a depreciation standpoint, even though you did a cost seg study. Is that right? There are options that are elected. You you can elect to take certain options in certain uh, time periods. For example, right now we're in a, we're in a period where bonus depreciation uh, is in effect. And so mm-hmm. if there's a depreciable item that is 20 years in life or less, you're able to take mm-hmm. that item in, uh, you're able to take the full depreciation in year one. But that is an election. If you would elect to take it over five years instead of one, you can elect to do that. So yes, there are different techniques you can use to slow down that depreciation if that's your overall tax strategy. Okay. So the bonus and really, I mean, would you agree that this became more of a widely known thing since bonus depreciation kind of went into play uh, in 2017? Or I mean, for you guys, you were, you were in it, right? So you're, I mean, but I don't know. It seems like everybody's starting to talk about this more now in the last couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Jim? I mean, it definitely has brought it front and center with the bonus depreciation. But, you know, we've been doing this for 20 plus years and we've seen bonus depreciation uh, come and go. We've seen it go to 30 percent, to 50 percent, to 100 percent. And it really hasn't impacted the number of studies we do. It just impacts the you know acceleration of those dollars and the amount of cash flow and when you're able to get that money. Uh, Wouldn't you agree, Jim? Yeah, I very much agree. And I think that bonus depreciation um, has been a buzzword among new investors. It's been a strategy that a lot of new investors use to buy more properties. Uh, the last few years, not this year as much as the last few years, we were in that harvest season of business where interest rates were very low and prices of properties were very attractive to buy rental properties, any type of commercial building, as well as uh, mobile home parks. Uh, we had a lot of mobile home park owners the past few years because of bonus depreciation, to be honest with you. That's one area that's really, really, since COVID has really, really become a buzz yes. um, industry uh, since COVID. But we definitely see an uptick on newer investors mm-hmm. and a lot of clients, like let's just say you own a um, franchise and you have three locations. A lot of our clients who own franchises, they buy that third, fourth, or fifth location by doing cost segregation on two or three or four of their buildings. They're using that cash flow to buy the next building. Mm-hmm. In uh, mobile home parks, it's the same thing. You buy two or three mobile home parks, do cost segregation on them. They have that extra cash flow that they don't have to send to the IRS for that next property. Yeah. And a couple things there. I mean, one is let's, let's jump into the mobile home park space because when you say that, I think it's important to recognize that it's probably because most of what the makes up of mobile home park is under that accelerated depreciation schedule, right? That 15 to 17 year depreciation schedule, I think, or at least what I've been told. So most of that is more can be allocated to the the bonus depreciation. Is that right? Yes. With the way that the current bonus depreciation is structured, anything with a depreciable life of 20 years or less, you're allowed to take in year one. And for example, all of the uh, infrastructure, the majority of the infrastructure, I should say, if there's Mm -hmm. a, you know, electrical running into the park, uh, any kind of roadways you might have out there, any type of infrastructure would probably go into a 15 year class. And because because that is 20 years or less, you get that all in year one. So absolutely, that's a great benefit right now to take advantage of. Yeah. And then like water lines, sewer lines, fencing, that kind of stuff all falls under the 20 year, right? Typically it does. Yes. Yeah. You have sewer laterals running in, uh, potable water lines running in, uh, fencing typically would qualify as either five year or 15 year property. Right. Um, so yeah, you know, there's quite a bit available in, in mobile home parks that you really, you tend to overlook until you come into it with a cost sector. 
perspective and you're looking for the different assets that, that are allowed to accelerate in the eyes of the IRS. Okay. So do you guys have an example of a case study maybe that's relevant that you could speak to? Or, I mean, Jim, you mentioned having more cash flow because you don't have to pay the IRS, you know, taxes on the cash flow that you're taking. I mean, I certainly have an example from my own experience, but uh, I didn't know if you guys had maybe just a case study where we can actually throw out some numbers or tangible numbers on a, you know, a deal you guys did that can show the example of like what the benefit might be. And I know that it's very specific, but without getting too specific on what it is, where it is, right. but like high level. Well, in regards to a, um, a mobile home park, I think we've done quite a few in Washington state. The land value in those areas were quite low. You do have to take land value out of the equation. I do not remember the exact number for the cost basis of the building, but let's just make the property $1.2 million. And there was about $125,000 you took out for land, which brought you down to a million dollars. In mobile home parks, we typically find somewhere between, Steve, around 25 to 45%. That's not uncommon. It varies, but no, that's not uncommon to find that much. Of the yeah. land? You mean the land value is about 25% of no, the total? we can accelerate the depreciation. Right. Oh, okay. We're able to accelerate 20 to 25 to 45% in a mobile home park. And on this occasion, I think we were at about 32%. So we were able to accelerate about $320,000 on this property off their taxes. And they were at the 37% tax rate. So that was over $100,000 that they had in, in cash flow that was sitting in their bank instead of going to the IRS. And that $320,000 that you referenced, then that becomes, in effect, a net operating loss in terms of depreciation that you're able to offset income with. You know, I mean, obviously, it's whatever your income rate is, is what your in-pocket right. cash flow would be. But, uh, you know, as Jim said, we've had clients that have acquired additional properties, done all kinds of improvements. Uh, it, it, it becomes significant very quickly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's awesome. I remember like on our property, we had an RV park. We did a cost seg study. I think we bought it, you know, for one four and we ended up, I think we put 10% down from an SBA loan. We did the mm -hmm. cost seg and it saved us a bunch of money on our taxes, which, cause it passes through to your personal, right? Your tax right. return. And we had a bunch of income outside of that, but it was able to shelter it. So in one regard, it almost paid for the park because the amount of money we saved was more than the down payment we ended up putting right. for the property. And so right. it was kind of a, <laughs> I felt like we were cheating. I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> So. You know, and it even goes higher because we've done a lot of parks where, you know, a portion of the homes are actually owned by the owners of the park. Right. So not in addition to the infrastructure, they also have some rental units and those mm. rental units uh, oftentimes can be considered personal property, depending on how they're mounted or not mounted uh, to the ground. And, uh, you know, it becomes five year property and in today's environment with bonus, it all goes into year one. So in effect, you're right. I mean, it, it, it's almost uh, it, it almost doesn't seem right. right. Yeah, seriously. So if we're saying that you you can go back and do these cost seg studies, you know, two, three, five, ten. It sounds like maybe there's not a limit, but there is a limit in terms of when the bonus depreciation is phasing out according to the Jobs Act, right? right. From 2017. Right. So this is the last year in which you can claim hundred percent of the bonus depreciation. And so, like if we say next year, so basically after this year, if we go into 2023, if somebody says, Hey, I'm gonna go do a cost seg study, you know, maybe this happens in February, and they say, Hey, I'm gonna do a cost seg study about the property three or four years ago, at that point now it will will be, they can only do up to 80% in 2023. In other words, they would have to do the cost seg study this year in order to claim the tax benefits up to 100%. Is that right? You know, it's the year that the property was placed in service. It, it's the tax law that was in effect year that the property was placed in service that governs the way that we handle it from a cost seg perspective and the way that your accountant would handle it. So, okay. uh, you know, if we look back, you know, two or three years, it was 100% bonus. But if we go back, you know, four years, it was, uh, there was a 50% bonus program in place. And so, 
So if we look back four years, we'd be applying 50% bonus. Now, if you bought a property this year and you don't do a cost seg study until next year, which it drops down to 80%, you actually placed it in service in 2022, which was 100% bonus, and you would still acquire that 100% bonus depreciation. Okay. Interesting. So basically, that's one of the reasons you both alluded to why we've had so much activity, or I guess one of the reasons investment real estate has become such a hot thing is like right. from the Jobs Act 2017 till yeah. now, it's been 100% bonus. Right. Exactly. Interesting. Exactly. So then theoretically, I should go tell all my clients who bought properties in the last five years who don't know about this and say, you should probably go get a cost seg. Now's the time. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. I'd like to add something to that. It's not something your CPA can actually do. We actually work hand in hand with your CPA. Think about if you think football, we're special teams that come in. We do our job. We get off the field. We hand that playbook off to the head coach, which is your CPA. They get to run with our numbers that we get to find with cost segregation. And we work hand, hand in hand with them. But um, according to the IRS, you have to have knowledge of both of engineering, construction knowledge, and IRS code. Uh, CPAs have their hands full with all of the IRS code. We come in with the construction and with also the engineering background. So we work hand in hand right. with them. Yeah, that's a good point because I have heard some people say, oh, we don't get a cost seg. We just have our CPA break out the components and mm -hmm. then we use that. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is it's important from a liability standpoint to actually have a company like yourselves do that and separate it from the CPA. Absolutely. Yeah. We actually offer 100% audit protection and cost segregation does not trigger an audit. If someone does get audited, we will defend our study at no cost to our clients. And once again, we work hand in hand with the CPA, mm -hmm. but they're very good at doing the furniture fixture and equipment of a building. We let them do the furniture fixture equipment. We're going inside the walls, inside the floors, inside the ceilings to actually uncover and also the landscape of the uh, land improvements to find the five, seven and 15 year property. And Steve, Got do you have anything to add? No, you're exactly right. I mean, that's that's exactly what happens in the same token. We don't do accounting. We strictly do cost seg, whereas the accountants are the experts at accounting. And uh, yeah, it's a great analogy. I mean, we're kind of the special teams that come in and we pick it up where they leave off and we work very closely with accountants. That's super valuable. I actually just pulled up an article. This says bonus depreciation extended through 2026 under the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. When was this put out? This is an old article. This isn't new. And, and, you know, it is extended, but it does step down. I mean, it's going from 100% to 80% to 60%. So it does step down 20% each year. Maybe that's what it's referring to. Right. Uh, this is the last year of 100%, but then we go down to 80, 60, and so forth. Yeah. And that's what it yeah, looks like. It's an older article. So that leads me to my question. So, so basically bonus depreciation steps down onto 20% in between, I guess, 2026. Yeah. So you had mentioned you guys have been doing this for 20 years. So has the bonus depreciation changed? I mean, it's been up and down. It's changed kind of all over the board. I mean, so 2017. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it, it really, uh, you know, really became big right after 9-11 actually is when when they really put in 100% bonus to try and stimulate the economy. And, you know, we've watched it since that time bounce down to 30%, 50% completely disappear to where there is no bonus depreciation for a number of years. And then the, obviously right now we've gone back to 100%. And, you know, even without bonus depreciation, cost segregation still is a very, very lucrative strategy because you're taking those dollars again out of that 39-year bucket and putting them in a five-year bucket. So you're still getting a tremendous benefit. You just aren't getting the splash that you get with bonus depreciation. Yeah. And I think that's important to note. So, you know, thinking about the market, where it's going, it's obviously changing pretty rapidly, mm -hmm. like extremely rapidly. Yes. People are concerned what's next year going to look like, maybe what are the next couple of years going to look like. And so, I mean, what would you recommend? I think obviously you would recommend to do this as a good tax planning strategy regardless, because as you said, it's really just going to increase the cash flow in your pocket mm -hmm. over no 
matter what you do, even with or without the bonus depreciation. And so, you know, are you encouraging people to continue to do this as, as a way to kind of be more, I guess, you know, have some reserves and make sure they're safe kind of going into the next few years? I'll start off. I think it's the best strategy moving forward because inflation is taking a hold of a lot of businesses. If you have a fleet of trucks, if you're a business that has a fleet of trucks, their gas is a lot more expensive. Product is more expensive. Cost of goods are more expensive. And you're still, you know, maybe you're increasing a little bit on your fees, but cost seg is a, is, is a strategy going forward that's vital because it keeps that money in your pocket instead of going to the IRS. And it's been like that forever, but right now people are going to have a tough winter. And, you know, even in the economy, we're in the winter economy right now for the next few years, and it's going to be here for a few years. You might as well strategically set yourself up. However, during these times, you will have the best deals in the next few years. The real estate prices are going to be incredible. You're going to see some great, great buys. And once again, cost segregation is great when those prices do come down. Mm-hmm. So, and Steve, do you have anything to add? You know, the, the only thing I would add very quickly is, um, you know, by doing a cost segregation study now, it does really front load that depreciation. We have uh, just a number of clients that quite honestly can't mm-hmm. use all that depreciation in the current tax year because they don't have enough income to offset it. It's still a very, very lucrative strategy because it just allows you to roll those dollars forward in the next year and the year after and the year after. So in effect, you're just putting those dollars in your pocket, even though you can't use them and you just carry them forward with you. So it's, uh, right. you know, basically is money in the bank and you're just offsetting your tax liabilities in subsequent years. Right. With regard to real estate, I saw a question posted regarding your hold time. So if you bought a property and you were intending on holding it for three to five years or longer then a cost seg made sense, and maybe it's specifically referring to bonus depreciation, I'm I'm not sure. But is there an ideal hold time? Should somebody be looking at that when they take this into account? Are there other considerations that they want to look at from an, you know, just this overall strategy when they acquire an asset as relates to cost seg and and bonus depreciation? You know, I think in general, it really, it kind of, it really varies by the motivation of the client. Um, you know, there's certain areas that people are saying are sweet spots like that three to five years. But, you know, truly, if you don't hold the property for the full hold of the property, which many people don't, most people don't actually, you're going to have to pay back some of those dollars in, in what's called recapture. And all that is, is you're just going to pay it back at ordinary tax rate versus capital gains rate. But truly, in my opinion, what you've done is you've, you've gotten an interest-free loan from the government. So say you sell a property in five years, you have to pay up to the amount of the gain that you sold that property at ordinary tax mm-hmm. rate, but you've gotten the use of that money interest-free for five years. And uh, well, I tell you, anytime I can get an interest-free loan for five years, I would take it. So it, it really, the only time that, that it really might not make sense is if people are going in truly with the idea of just flipping properties, just do a quick fix up and then flip it within yeah. a year, then you might want to look at the numbers and they may not make a whole lot of sense. But if you're going to hold it for a number of years, it probably is going to make sense. Yeah. What about investors who are invested as an LP? So they go into a syndication because you see a lot of these syndications right now that they're using bonus depreciation to give more cash flow. And so what happens when they sell? Because a lot of these, you know, once you're invested as an LP, you don't necessarily have the option to do a 1031 exchange unless you can roll it into another deal with them with their syndicated structure. I know if you decide to take that capital, I believe you can't do a 1031 exchange because it's not technically exchanging real property. What does that look like for an LP investor? Are they better off? I mean, is it still a good move for them to do that? If they were going to say, hey, I'm going to throw in, you know, 100000 into this syndication. And then I know these guys are going to sell it in three to five years, or that's the plan. And at that point, I'm going to take my money. They did a cost seg with bonus depreciation. I come out with, you know, let's just say 200 But then I end up having to pay back, you know, half of that. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, it really, uh, it's like I said,
said earlier, first of all, we don't get into the accounting aspects of it. We really sure. strictly are doing the cost segregation. We'd have to talk to your accounting professional sure. to get the details. But I'll tell you, we have just a number of clients that are in all types of, uh, held by all types of entities. The properties are held by all types of entities. And um, LPs are very common. You know, we do those quite a bit. Uh, we get involved in K-1s, just all kinds of distributions that are out there. And it really kind of depends on the motivation and what the overall strategy of the holdings are. But I would recommend anyone that is interested in doing it is, you know, at least with uh, CostSeg America, we'll run the numbers for no charge and we can take a look at the numbers. You can take them back. Let's talk to your accountant. Let's figure out what is the best strategy long term and what's the best way to proceed with it. Yeah. Okay. No, I appreciate that. I was just kind of yeah, no, you know, getting in the weeds with the tax stuff. Sure. But um, <laughs> I guess you could just, you know, you sell and then you take that money, go buy something else and then do a CostSeg on that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we, I mean, you know, there's all types of different scenarios. I mean, we get involved in opportunity zones. We get involved in, you know, just a number of different, you know, tax advantage plans. And yeah, probably nine times out of 10, they do work out very well. We just need to approach them differently in terms of a tax strategy. They may have to use, you know, alternative depreciation mm -hmm. or, you know, some other methodology of depreciating it, but you still get the advantage of accelerating that depreciation. So there still is going to be benefit for you. Okay. One more kind of specific question, then we'll just get into kind of maybe, you know, what's helpful for people to know if they're interested in doing this with you guys. We talked about this before, but Washington state, you pay excise tax when you sell a property as a seller typically. And I've heard that you can separate the cash flows from the physical value of the property in order to save more on the excise tax. Can you just touch on that? You know, really, we prepare these studies oh, yeah, um, that's more for federal taxes. So they're really designated for federal taxes. That's really what we recommend. The, uh, the state taxes, they tend to vary and state regulations tend to vary quite a bit. I know, mm -hmm. you know, for example, in Georgia, you get into ad valorem taxes and, you know, there's just, there's a number of different scenarios. So we really prepare these for federal. And we recommend that our clients really only use these for federal taxes. Although I know that there's a lot of advantages that people do use them on, but we strictly don't get into that because it does get so complicated uh, that it really is up to a tax professional to untangle. Got it. Okay. No, fair enough. So if somebody wants to do one, what's the timing? How long does it take and what's required of them? Just high level kind of outline. Sure. Well, first and foremost, it usually typically takes about six to eight weeks to complete a study. Uh, we have a few questions we ask up front in order to give an accurate proposal. Steve and I, or someone on our team would be on a Zoom call going over the proposal with the owner of the building. We do recommend having the CPA involved up front so we can all be on the same page. And we give a range of benefit in our proposal. We give a fixed price in our proposal. Part of the fixed price, you get a fully engineered and fully accounted study. According to the IRS, there's six levels of methodology. Uh, our company does the top level study, which we call a tier one study. Other companies are great friends of ours. They're nice people. They do a tier three, tier four, tier five study. Our study is a tier one study because we give equal value to each and every component of the building. And we also give full audit protection. And we also give the CPA a full asset management detail with the study. In case there are improvements in the future, they'll have a list of all of the different assets inside the building. And um, Steve, do you have anything to add on that? I think you summed it up. Um, you know, the way that we've structured it, it really is an all-inclusive package. And once we do, I do the analysis on the property, you'll have a very good idea of what we anticipate the reclass mm -hmm. dollars to be, what we anticipate that uh, cash flow to be. In my eyes, very critically, is that lifetime auto protection, you know, because it's something that you should not have to, you know, worry about laying around at night. Uh, it, it should be something you just put to bed and it's, uh, you know, it's a done deal and, it, and, and we've got everything covered. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. I think that's all the questions I have. Do you guys have anything you want to add or anything that we didn't cover? You know, the only thing I would add is that uh, particularly talked about uh, mobile home parks and uh, trailer parks and that type of thing. I don't 
don't have a number offhand, but we've done probably in the hundreds of them, and they just they, they vary quite a bit. But typically, there's a lot of value there. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, again all of the infrastructure, the pads, the water, the laterals. Yeah, you know, they're uh, definitely worth looking at and uh, just running some numbers on them and, and, and see if it makes sense. Right. It's again, it's part of an overall tax strategy, and we can see exactly how it fits just by doing some preliminaries. Yeah, it doesn't hurt getting a proposal. There are no costs to the proposal, and you'll see the numbers. And if it makes sense, most of our clients do move forward with us six to eight weeks. And yeah, you can utilize actually in 2023, we can still do cost segregation for 2022 taxes. Our deadline cutoff is usually in the middle of July for our 2022 taxes. As long as you've purchased the building prior to 2023, we can do that for 22 taxes. That's another thing a lot of people don't know is they think on the 31st of December is the last day we could do cost segregation for 2022 buildings. Good point. Good point. Yeah, we could go all the way into the middle of next year and uh, we'd be happy to work with them. Awesome. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And working with you guys was great. So thank you for doing that. And again, for coming on and thank you. we'll make sure to, you're welcome. We'll make sure to link to your guys' website and put contact info yeah, great. Uh, to that'd it as great. well. So yeah. awesome. Jim, yeah. Steve, thanks so much for coming on. And thank uh, you, Jason. yeah, you bet. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks. All Appreciate right, guys. It. Have a good day. Yeah.